Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to Life Point Church. My name is Mike Burnett. My wife Stephanie and I are so honored to get to serve as pastors of this church, along with an amazing staff team and great leaders here at Life Point. It is such an honor to have you with us today. Hey, if this is your very first time, we are especially thankful for all of our first time guests. And we want to say welcome to everybody joining us at our online campus, our Rossview Road location our Chandler, Arizona, East Valley Dream Center location, and also at our Austin P. State University campus. We are so thrilled to be one church in many places. Hey, I, I'm coming to you by video today because I wanted to share an update of how your giving is making a difference specifically as it relates to what's happening in Ukraine, Poland, other parts of Eastern Europe in this crisis that we've been living with uh, in the last 10 or 12 days. Before we get there, I just want to remind you and really just say thank you for your giving. It is the plan of God that the people of God provide for the house of God. In fact, we see it throughout scripture. It was always God's people giving a portion of what God gave them, whether it's through crop yields or harvests in the Old Testament, obviously. But, but as we see that pattern throughout the New Testament and into today, whenever we're paid, whenever we get a, 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 a harvest or a paycheck or whatever, we bring the first tenth portion to the Lord. And that is our thanks to God. That's an offering to God. It's an act of worship and obedience to God. But the purpose behind it is to one, keep God first in that area of our lives, our finances, right? But also it's what provides for the work of ministry. It's how we keep our locations going. It's how we keep our staff connected. It's how we keep our volunteers supplied to care for your kids and family and, and meet the needs of widows, orphans, those who have a need in our community. But even beyond our church to send relief to other churches and other organizations to help do the work of missions. All that is able to happen because you are faithful in your generosity. And I just want to say thank you for tithing. Thank you for giving beyond your tithe in offerings. And I, I do want to let you know today, and I'm going to share a video with you in just a moment, that your generosity is going beyond our local campuses, whether it's in Arizona or at Austin P or at our Rossview Road or our online campus. We are partnered again with Convoy of Hope. And, and in moments of tragedy and moments of devastation around the world, Convoy of Hope is always on the ready and always on the go. And our partnership with them is already making a difference in Ukraine, in Poland, and other parts of Europe. And so I wanted to say thank you for your generosity. Stay faithful in your giving and know that as you give, however you do it, as you give through LifePoint Church, a portion of that is going to Convoy of Hope for relief. And you can actually designate disaster relief or Ukraine relief through your giving. We have a drop-down tab available for you now to select Convoy of Hope Ukraine if you would like a portion of your giving to go specifically to that. Check out this video. Thank you so much for your generosity. Let's have a great day. Hi, this is Chris with Convoy of Hope coming to you from Poland where it's estimated that about 800,000 people have come across the border from Ukraine. Over a million people have already fled the nation of Ukraine and is expected that those numbers are gonna to continue to rise. Right now we're outside one of the main train stations here where there are literally tens of thousands of people roaming around. People who have fled Ukraine, women and children who are carrying suitcases are predominantly what we see. Our partners have already started distributing relief supplies all along the border where tens of thousands of people are coming across regularly. Over the next coming weeks, we're going to continue to, to supply those partners and we're going to continue to work with refugees who are coming into Poland and several other countries throughout Europe. Well, we just want to say a huge thank you to all of you who support Convoy of Hope. The work we're doing here is extremely important. We couldn't do it without you. 
churches, individuals, businesses, civic groups, all of you who get behind us, we just want to say a huge thank you. LifePoint Church, how's everybody doing today? Come on. Hey, what a great day to be in church. My name is Jordan, and my wife, Erin, and I, we get the awesome privilege and honor to serve as our Austin P campus pastors. And I know uh, Pastor Mike already did a welcome to them, but if you are uh, new or visiting or you're back with us after a long time, uh, we want to say a big welcome to you. I also want to give just a, another huge shout out uh, to all of our locations, to especially to our Austin P State University campus, meeting the Clement Auditorium. Uh, we have a team of people today actually at our uh, Chandler, Arizona location, the East Valley Dream Center. So we want to say a big what's up to you guys and especially to our online campus as well. We are so glad to have all of you joining us today to be one church in many locations. Hey, we don't have any time to waste today. We're going to jump right into the word. Come on, does that sound good? All right. Hey, take out your Bibles. If you have your Bible, take out your Bible, take something to take notes with. And uh, I'm going to pray really quick before we jump into the message today. God, we thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, uh, God, that your word is alive and active. Thank you, Lord, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you, God, that your word transforms us and changes us. God, I thank you that in a culture that is going one way, God, we thank you that your word declares another. And so, God, we want to be people that live not according to our culture and what our culture is saying. God, we want to be people that are conformed and transformed by your word. God, would you speak to us today? Would you make your word come alive to us today, God? I pray every person that's here in the room today, that's watching online at any of our locations, God, I pray that they would leave different than when they came in. God, would you encourage your people today, uplift your people today? And I pray in Jesus' name, we would walk out of this place with a fire on the inside of us to be the church that you've called us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we are still in our Book of Acts series, and I'm excited to pick up today in Acts chapter 12 with a message that we have titled, When Pressure Hits, We Grow. Again, if you have your Bible, open up to Acts chapter 12. Last week, we ended Acts chapter 11 with a powerful message on the church being the church. We saw a huge need arise in Acts chapter 11 at the end there due to a famine coming, and the church did what the church does in times of need. They didn't shy away. They didn't wait for anybody, somebody else to step up and help. No, it said that they determined each one of them to meet the needs of the people around them in a time of need. And today, we start Acts chapter 12 with another powerful message. We're going to see uh, the believers, like we've seen them multiple times all throughout the book of Acts so far, we're going to find them again under some serious pressure. Now, if, if you're normal, uh, most people don't like pressure. Some people really love pressure. Some people, you thrive under pressure. Some people are like, give me pressure. I love it. But most people don't like pressure. Most people don't like being under pressure at work. Most people don't like being under pressure at home, financially under pressure or socially under pressure. No one likes to be under pressure. In fact, studies actually show that most people are conflict averse. We, we avoid conflict because we, we just don't like it. We will do anything and everything to avoid the conflict, avoid the pressure, avoid the stress. But what if, and that's what I want to talk us through today, what if we saw pressure as a gift. What if we chose to look at moments of pressure in our lives as opportunities to grow, to get better, to learn to trust God? Let's be honest, when things are easy, we don't feel pushed to get better or to improve. But when we, 
want to get stronger in the gym, come on, somebody, how many people know you got to add some pressure to those weights. You got to increase your problem. I'm trying to work out and get healthy and Christian, our online campus pastor, he's, he's, he's adding more weight to me and I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm hurting, but, but to do that, to get stronger, you got to increase the pressure sometimes in the gym, especially with weights. And um, if you want to run a faster mile, I know this might sound shocking to some of you, but you have to run faster. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. That's, that's mind blowing right there. That's, that's for free today. You increase the pressure. When you want to grow financially, you put yourself in places to learn and grow and be stretched. You increase pressure. When you want to grow in your marriage, you put yourself in some environments like small groups. Amen. And marriage conference, date night. We just had that a few weeks ago. You put yourself in some environments where some pressure will get put on your marriage so that it can grow. When you're wanting to grow in your relationship with the Lord, you have to add some spiritual disciplines into your life. Come on, we talked about that a few weeks ago. You have to add some spiritual disciplines like prayer and Bible reading and fasting and meditation. You have to add some of these spiritual disciplines into your life that might cause some stretching, but they help you to grow as a follower of Jesus. Are you following me today? Now, I've heard it said that if you truly wanna see what's on the inside of someone, put pressure on them because what's on the inside will inevitably come out. It's pressure that changes coal into diamonds. What if, hear me, hear me today. What if God allows pressure in our lives, pressure in our lives so that he can grow some things in us? What if God uses the pressure around us to move us closer to him in prayer and trusting him and our devotion to him. See, this is what I found in my life personally. I found that sometimes it's easier to bail out on some things than to actually allow the pressure that I'm facing to help grow me through some things. Now, today's message is one that will stretch us and it's gonna challenge us to grow as followers of Jesus, even in a time of pressure. So much has happened in the book of Acts leading up to this chapter, just to give you a little recap, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. Lots of people come to faith who are outside of the Jewish tradition. Saul, who now is just doing incredible things for the kingdom, he gets radically saved by God. Then the apostle Peter steps up and he defends really what God is doing. And the gospel begins to open up to the entire Gentile world. The church, in a lot of ways, leading up to here in Acts chapter 12, the church in a lot of ways was experiencing a really kind of a streak of success. And as we start Acts chapter 12, we're gonna see another instance of the church facing opposition and persecution as followers of Jesus. This was really honestly starting to become a norm for them. This was something that we've seen them deal with in chapters leading up to this. We've seen Peter and John and the disciples arrested multiple times and put in jail for preaching the gospel. We've seen Stephen become the first martyr for the gospel that began the, the, really the wave of persecution that swept over the church. And this wasn't something that was surprising to them. Persecution and pressure and, and the stress that they were facing being followers of Jesus was not something that was surprising to them. They actually heard Jesus tell her, they heard the audible voice of Jesus tell them multiple times that they would be persecuted and hated by many for following him. 
persecution and pressure was honestly, it was something as followers of Jesus we see all throughout the book of Acts. It was just something that they embraced as followers of Jesus. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter five, going back a little bit, when the disciples are released from prison for preaching the gospel, it says that they rejoiced. They left rejoicing God, that he would count them worthy to suffer for his name. Man, that's a different way of living. That's an attitude that says, no matter what, we win. Come on, you can't keep the church down. No matter what, we win. And they had this attitude all throughout the book of Acts. So we're gonna pick up reading in Acts chapter 12, verse one, and we're gonna watch what God does and how the, how the believers here again are, are gonna respond in a time of pressure. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Acts chapter 12, verse one. It says this, it says, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the day of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So let me paint a picture really quick. What's happening here? Herod, the king, absolutely hated followers of Jesus. He would have actually been one of the ones that would have signed off on, on the crucifixion of Jesus. And here we see him, it says, laying violent hands on some who belonged to the church. We don't know, really we're not told here how many other Christ followers that he killed, but we see here that he killed James, the brother of John. And, 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 and when he did that, he saw that it pleased the Jews, specifically the ruling class of the Jewish religions here. So King, King, here, here's what was happening with King Herod. King Herod, because he did this, because he killed James and he was, he was laying violent hands on other Christians, he was seeing that his political ratings were starting to go up. And if you remember in Acts chapter nine, Saul was persecuting Christians, but Saul, Saul really thought that he was doing it for sincere, although really misguided religious conviction. Here, Herod was killing Christians and laying violent hands on Christians purely as a political motive. He was killing Christians really to get his political ratings up. And he saw that it pleased the Jews so much that he killed James. Now he proceeded to arrest Peter as well. We gather from the text that he intended to kill Peter as well during the time of Passover, but it wasn't the right time to do that. He wanted to be sure to make a public spectacle of Peter. So he wanted to wait until just the right time to bring him out, to publicly shame Peter and, and most likely kill him. Now I can imagine that word had gotten around to the other believers that James was killed and now Peter was in prison. And I can imagine how they were probably feeling. The loss, I'm sure, at this point in time of any believer, I'm sure was terrible for them. But Peter was doing big things for the kingdom and the advancement of the gospel. So I'm sure hearing that Peter was in prison was probably something that was really hard for them to deal with. I can imagine the feelings of uncertainty, the feelings of helplessness, the feelings of sadness that they probably felt during this situation. They had every reason, listen, they had every reason to be frantic, to be panicking. They had every reason to be fearful. They probably felt like there's nothing we can do about this. Maybe they felt like retaliating, we need, we need to go get them. Maybe they felt like, let's go, 
Let's go try and bust Peter out of jail. But I want us to watch how the church responds here under pressure. I want us to watch this. This is really important here. We're going to watch here how the church responds under pressure. Verse 5, it says this. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Peter was in prison, but earnest prayer was made for him by the church. Peter was in prison, but the church prayed. When the pressure was on, the first move of the church was that they prayed. And they didn't just pray. It says they prayed earnestly. This wasn't no patty cake prayer. This was earnest prayer. This was passionate prayer. This was pray like your life depends on it type prayer. This was shake the walls prayer. You ever prayed with somebody before and you're like, after you leave, you're like, oh man, that just, I felt that. You know what I'm saying? You just, you, you need somebody in your life that you can go to in times of trouble that they will stand with you and they will shake the, the walls of hell with you praying for you, man. I, my wife is one of those people. If I need somebody to pray for, I grab my wife because she will pray the paint off the wall. I'm just, she can pray. But you need somebody that can pray with you. And that word earnest, they prayed earnestly. Literally, the, the, the word picture here literally means someone stretching out all they can for something. The verb here is, is a verb that's the term ectinos, and it's related to ectinos, and it's a medical term describing the stretching of its muscles to its limits. Luke actually used this same word ectinos for the, for the agonizing prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22, verse 44, Jesus was in such agony, it said there, that for what was about to happen to him on the cross, that he, it says he prayed fervently. He prayed fervently. So listen, that same passion and earnestness that Jesus prayed with was the same word that's actually used here to describe how hard the church was praying for Peter. The church didn't sit around and talk about the situation they didn't complain about the situation. They didn't post about the situation. No, they prayed hard about the situation that Peter and Peter was in prison and there was nothing that they could do about it except pray about it. The pressure they were facing turned them to prayer. Peter was in prison, but the church prayed. I know, I know this might not be maybe super deep for some of you, but I'm gonna remind us today that there's something powerful that happens when we turn to God when the pressure is on. Not to the news, not to gossip, not to social media, not to complaining, not to bad mouthing, but something powerful happens when the pressure is on and we turn our attention to God. I'm telling you, when life is hard, when problems seem bigger than you and things seem out of control, there's power when we turn our attention to God. Some of us need to make that a habit in our everyday lives. Some of us are quicker to turn on the news, quicker to post about it, quicker to talk about it, quicker to complain, quicker to talk, oh my gosh, I can't believe all this. Some of us just need to be quicker to go, hey, hey, I know all this is going on, but let's pray. Some of you need to start grabbing your families. You need to say, hey, I know this is chaos. I know things are going on in our world, but, but come on now, let's, let's pray. Some of you need to grab, as husbands and wives, you need to grab, you need to pray. Some of you at work when your coworkers are going crazy over everything that's happened in the world, we don't need to step in and be weird as Christians. We don't need to preach to them. We can just say, hey, do y'all mind if we just take a minute and just pray? 
Man, something happens when we just, when the pressure's on, when the pressure was on the church here, they turned to prayer. They turned to prayer. Listen, this is another example that we take from the early church about how to act under pressure. Listen, this isn't going to be news to anybody today. I know this. We've talked a lot about it, so I'm not going to sit here and harp on everything that's going on. We, we know what's happening, but we are living in a time of pressure. Pressure as a nation, pressure in our world, pressure against the church and Christians around the world. And listen, the world doesn't need more opinions. The world needs a church that prays. So you may be here today with pressure that you're facing in your own personal life. Pressure maybe of a sick loved one, pressure of a lost job, pressure of school that you're trying to get through right now, pressure in a relationship, and all these situations can feel out of control and you can feel helpless. But I wanna remind us today as the church to make prayer a first response. We say this a lot around here at LifePoint. You've probably heard Pastor Mike or one of our pastors say it, but we say that prayer should never be a last response. Prayer should always be a first result. We should always go to prayer first. It should always be our first response. Prayer should never be a last resort. It should always be our first response. I wanna challenge us today as a church. Let it be said of us like it was said of the church in Acts chapter five. Listen to me, LifePoint Church, there's wars happening in our world, but the church can pray. There's political and cultural pressure in our world, but the church can pray. There's things that we don't agree with, but the church can pray. There are people needing sick, that are sick and needing healing, but the church can pray. There are people lost and needing saved, and the church needs to pray. You got issues in your personal life, pray. You need to come to God with an area of your life where you can't see another way through it, let's pray. When a situation looks impossible, pray. When you feel like quitting and walking away, pray. Listen. There are some things in your life that can't be talked away. There are some stuff in your life that cannot be willpowered away. There are things in your life that cannot be reasoned away. Some things in your life can only be dealt with through powerful, earnest prayer. Prayer helps me with a couple things. I want to encourage you to take your notes to write these down. I, I wrote these. Prayer, prayer, this is what prayer kind of helps me do. And I just want to share with you just four quick things. This is what prayer does. Prayer shifts our perspective. Prayer shifts our perspective. When you're facing a situation that seems all-consuming and overwhelming, prayer helps us get a different perspective. Matthew 6, 9, Jesus says, pray like this. He says, our Father in heaven. Our, so, so the first thing he's wanted us to do is get our eyes off of what's down here and get our eyes up there. Prayer gets our mind off an earthly perspective and gives us a heavenly perspective. Listen, sometimes I don't need God to fix my problem. Sometimes I just need him to give me a different perspective about my problem. And that's what prayer will do. Prayer will change your perspective. Listen to this. Here's, here's the second thing. Prayer reminds me of who is ultimately in control. Prayer is a big reminder that when I'm, when, I'm, when, I'm wanting to, when I'm wanting to just fight everything, prayer reminds me of who's in control. Psalm 46.10, the writer of this psalm invites us to say, to, to be still and know that I am God. Prayer invites us 
to be still. It invites us to get before the Lord and be still and know that he is God and I'm not. There is something powerful about stilling yourself before the Lord and reminding yourself, God's in control, I'm not. God's in control, so I don't have to be. God's on his throne. What, what am I gonna fear? What do I have to be afraid of? What do I have to worry about? What do I have to stress about? What do I have to pace about? What do I have to, go, what do I have to, what do I have to feel frantic about? When I still myself and remind myself that God is in control, the third thing, prayer reminds me of where my help comes from. Prayer reminds me where my help comes from. Psalm 122, verse 1, 2, 1 through 2 says this. It says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength. Listen to this. And he's always ready to help in times of trouble. You need to know that today. He's always ready to help. He's always ready to bring peace. He's always ready to bring comfort. He's always ready to intervene. He's not a genie in a bottle and we don't get three wishes. But he's always ready to help. He's always ready to bring comfort. He's always ready to intervene in the situation that you're facing. Fourth thing is this, prayer is how we fight our battles. Prayer is how we fight our battles. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 4 says this, that we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds. Listen, there's battles happening in our world today, and it's a spiritual battle. I'm telling you right now, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I know we got wars and everything going on, but, but just as much... As there is all of that stuff happening, there is another force that is at work that wants to derail your life, does not want you following Jesus. We are in a spiritual battle. So much of what we see right now in the physical is a result of a spiritual battle. I'm not saying that if you get a flat tire, it's the devil. Blame it. You know, you get a bad coffee at Starbucks, the devil did. Don't blame the devil for your bad Starbucks. Sometimes it just happens, you know what I'm saying? We love you baristas. We thank God for you. But I'm just saying, there's an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life, and the battle, is, the battle is won through prayer. We gotta be people of prayer. Listen, Herod had his soldiers and his prison, but listen to this. The church had the power of prayer. James 5.16 says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Come on, church, we might be facing opposition. We might have obstacles in our way. We might be facing situations that are feeling so out of control, but we are the church and we have the power of prayer. Prayer that can move mountains, prayer that can heal the sick, prayer that's a response to impossible situation, prayer that invites God into these moments of pressure. We have the power of prayer. See, we turn to, we see the, the church here turn to, to prayer under pressure, and now we're gonna see the second thing here, that God gives them peace under pressure. Peter, gives Peter peace under pressure. Listen to this, now when Herod was about to bring Peter out, was about to make a public spectacle of him, was pro probably about to murder him, we don't know, but that, that we're just assuming that, that's, about, that's what's gonna happen. Now when Peter was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter, was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains 
and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. I love this because this is true Peter fashion right here. Peter's in prison between two soldiers bound with two chains and guards standing at the door. And what is Peter doing? Peter's asleep, like dead asleep. We're about to see that in the next few verses that an angel shows up, stands next to Peter and a light shone in the cell and Peter is so asleep that he don't even wake up. The angel has to strike him on the side to wake him up. You ever been so asleep like that? Things happen around you, you don't even know what happened. You lay down on the couch one day, you know, fall asleep, church, you know, Sunday afternoon nap, you fell asleep and you woke up and you didn't know where you were. You didn't know what happened. You, you know what I'm saying? We don't good naps. The good naps, so you wake up and you're like, oh, what day is it? Where, where am I? What's, what's... The good nap, where you drool a little bit. You know what I'm saying? That's a good nap. Get some drool run down. That was Peter. Peter was asleep. And here's what I really love about this. this. This is what I love about this scene right here that we're seeing with Peter in jail. Peter had every reason to be up panicking and pacing. Peter had every reason to be sweating bullets and begging God to get him through this one. And I don't know about you, but if, but if my best friend was just killed and now I'm in prison about to potentially meet that same fate, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I'd be sleeping. I mean, come on now. I know, I know, we, I know, I know y'all are real holy and you know what I'm saying? I'd be praying. No, you wouldn't. You'd, you'd, be, you'd be pacing. You'd be. But Peter... Peter's asleep. Peter's asleep. Peter's asleep not knowing what's maybe about to happen to him. But he knows maybe that he is going to meet the same fate as James. But Peter was sleeping. We see no signs of nervousness in Peter. He's at total peace. He's not stressed. Matter of fact, I wish we had a picture of this because Peter is just, don't you wish the Bible came with pictures sometimes? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, want to, I need to see that. I'm a visual person. But I just imagine Peter's probably just snuggled up. I mean, he's snuggled up between two soldiers, probably with his head. I mean, he's probably got his head just laying on the shoulder. I don't know. Something, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, when you're, you, have you ever had tried to like fall asleep? You got to lean your backs up against, you know, somebody and you sleep. Maybe that was that. I don't know. But, but Peter was just snuggled up between two soldiers. He wasn't afraid. He was asleep. Now, here's the question we got to ask about this. The question that we have to ask right here was how in the world was Peter able to rest peacefully when he was under the pressure of being arrested and possibly facing death? I want to show us something really quick that I think is going to help us understand how Peter was able to act this way. But we got to go backwards. We got to rewind a little bit. In Peter's life, we have to go back to John chapter 21. Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He has appeared to his disciples. And Jesus has this amazing scene with, with Peter on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. If you remember, Peter is on the back end right here of a massive failure. Like he's running because he just denied, he just, he just three times denied Jesus. So he's on the back end of a massive failure. And that's a whole other message. But Jesus 
being Jesus, being, being, being Jesus so full of grace, so full of love, so full of mercy, so full of forgiveness, cooks Peter breakfast, makes him a fish breakfast. I'll never have fish for breakfast, but maybe they did back then. Steak and eggs kind of person. But he cooked Peter a fish breakfast. And he asked Peter, do you love me? He asked, it's, it's interesting. Peter denied Jesus three times. Now, he's asked, you know, Jesus is going to ask him this th- question three times. Do you love me? And if you love me, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. Then Jesus says this really interesting statement to Peter. You ever, you ever read through things in the Bible and sometimes you just, you just don't really think anything of them. You just read through them quick. You just, just know, you just kind of read through them really fast, not really think anything of it. This is one of those verses that we don't, we don't really preach this verse all too often. And you, know, you, don't, you don't go to a conference and hear this verse pulled out. But John chapter 21, verse 18 through 19, Jesus says this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, to Peter, when you were young, You used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, listen to this. This is very interesting. I'm going to tie this together here with our story in just a second. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you. Another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying these things to him, he said this, Jesus said, then follow me. Now this may seem like a really totally random statement, but, but notice Jesus said to Peter here, when you are old. So he's speaking into Peter's future. He's speaking Peter's future here in, into existence. He says, when you're old, this is a very specific word from Jesus. It's almost like Jesus knows what's gonna happen to Peter and how and when he's gonna die. As far as we know, Peter doesn't seem old here in our text because he's still working, he's still preaching, he's still planting churches. But listen, this is, listen to the next verses in Acts and how this ties together. Verse seven, it says this, it says, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell and he struck Peter to wake him up on the side and he woke up and and the angel said this saying, get up quickly and the chains fell off his hands. And here's where it gets interesting. Remember the text that I just read to you in John? Listen to this. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put your own sandals on. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and, and listen, and follow me. And he went out and he followed him. Man, this is powerful stuff right here. Peter was at total peace, sleeping like a baby, not afraid at all, snuggled up between two soldiers. You know why? Because Peter had a word from God. That word from Jesus meant that he will not die until he's unable to dress himself. Listen, Peter had peace under pressure because he had a word from God. Listen, this is a word for us today. I'm about ready to preach, so I hope you're about ready to say amen. Listen, when we're under pressure, when we don't know how something's gonna work out, when things don't make sense, when things seem chaotic, when, th- when there are wars happening around us, when we lose our job, when our marriage is struggling, when our kids aren't acting right, when we don't feel like we have a purpose, we stand on the word of God. When everything else around us is shaken, the word of God, church, is a firm foundation. 
This is, why, this is why it's so important for you to spend time in your Bible. This is so important for why it's so important for you to spend time in God's word because you need to know promises like this, the promises like God wants to save us and God wants to deliver us, promises like he's always good to us, promises like God will never leave you nor forsake you, promises like greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, promises like the Lord is my light and he's my salvation, of whom shall I be afraid, promises like God has a plan for your life, promises like he cares for you and he's for you and he's not against you, promises like he's an ever-present help in time of need. Listen, church, the promises of God that were true for the church back then are true for us today. The same promises, the same God, the same God we serve today. Listen, though those are universal promises that are true for all believers, there are specific words that God wants to speak directly maybe into your situation. Maybe you're here today and you need, maybe you know some of that stuff, but you're like, God, God I, need a, I need a word from you. I need you to speak directly into a situation. Maybe you came in here today and you're like, God, God, I just, I need a word from you. I need to hear from you. Any, come on, wave at me online. Anybody say today, God, I need to hear from you on a situation that I'm facing. I remember Aaron and I, my wife, and I were in a bit of a wandering season before God brought us to Life Point. And I had been on staff at a church in Oregon for about seven years and our time there ended and we didn't, we didn't know what was next for us. We had no clue where we were going or what we were gonna do next. We didn't jump right back into vocational ministry. We took some time to really hear from the Lord about what was next for us. I worked a job in a warehouse for about nine months, driving a forklift and Aaron worked at a spa. And honestly, I was dealing with just some stuff from a last season of ministry, believe it or not, working in vocational ministry and full-time ministry is difficult. We'd, we don't just pray and prepare sermons all the time. You know, that's, that's a part of, of what we do and we're thankful that we get to do that, but it, it, it's stressful. And so I started looking at other job op options and, and doors started to close. And so Aaron and I, we took some intentional time just to pray and hear from the Lord. And we got some wisdom from people, from loved ones around us that we trusted close to us. And we asked others in our lives to be praying with us too. And I'll never forget, Aaron and I were in the parking lot of a Freddy's burger place, eating ice cream. I'm going to just tell you this. God will speak to you when you're eating ice cream. <laughs> Saying. And I've never heard the audible voice of God before. I, I've never heard his, his, his audible voice, but there have been times where I've just known, a few times, a few times, right? Where I've, again, I haven't heard it audibly, but I've just known God's speaking to me. And this was one of those times. And I'll never forget, God told me, he said, Jordan, you can run, but you know what I've called you to. And Aaron and I, we began to dream again about vocational ministry and our passion for the local church. And it was then that God solidified in both of us again, his call for our lives. And now when the pressures of life and the pressure of ministry and life come in, we stand on that word that God gave us in the Freddy's Burger parking lot. So maybe you're here today and your life is under an area of pressure. And you're going, God, I need to hear from you about this. I need a word from you about this. I got a situation. I mean, listen, God wants to speak to you. That's not, that's not the question. God wants to speak to you. But oftentimes the question is, in, are we in a place to listen and hear from him? Do we have the volume of outside voices turned up louder than the voice of God? Are we intentionally positioning ourselves to hear from the Lord? That's why it's so important for you. I wanna encourage you, if, if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I, need to, I need to hear from God in an area of my life. There, 
this isn't a formula. I'm not gonna give you a formula that says do this and it'll happen. But there are th- some things that we can do to put ourselves in positions, maybe to hear, get a word from God. You need to be a part of the body of Christ. It's so important to be a part of the body of Christ, to be a part of the church, to be a part of a small group that can speak into your situation and pray with you and stand with you. This is why we need people. We need to be people of prayer. We need to set time aside to be alone with God. You know, you know what Jesus was really good at all throughout his time on earth? Retreating and getting alone with God. And I just think, my goodness, if, if the savior of the universe had to retreat and get alone with God, how much more do you and I? So we need to retreat, we need to pull away, we need to let God speak to you and give you a promise, give you a word for your life that will help you under pressure. And finally, as we close this message, I love how the pressure didn't stop the church. The church, we're gonna see as we end here, just the church kept moving forward with God's plans. Verse 12, it says this, when he realized, when Peter came to, he realized that he, and he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name was Mark, where many were gathered together and praying. And when he knocked at the door, at the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice in her. And she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, you are, they said, you are out of your mind. You lost your mind. But she kept insisting that it's him, it's Peter. And they kept saying, it's an angel, but Peter continually knocked. And when they opened, they saw him, they were amazed, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent. Listen, here's what he did. He, Peter stepped up. Peter was a leader. Peter, Peter just stepped up to the plate here. He said, and he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said to them, tell these things to James and the brothers. And then he departed. Peter departed and he went to another place. The believers were earnestly in prayer. They were aware that James had just been killed and Peter was in prison. But we see here the church just kept praying under pressure. They stayed on mission. They stayed focused, not on what they couldn't do, but on what they could do. And watch what Peter does here. Peter, again, he settles everybody down. He gets their attention. He thanks God for what God did. And then he says, tell James, not the one who was killed, different James. And then he leaves them and he goes to another place. And you would think maybe Peter would hang out there for a while and Peter would, you know, freshen up, get some food and coffee, take a shower, I don't know but he doesn't. We see here that Peter just continued on his mission. The text here really doesn't imply that Peter hid out. The text here shows us that Peter just went on with the mission. He wasn't waiting around to be caught or arrested again. He just left town. He said, we got a job to do. We got we to preach the gospel. We got to get this word out to as many people as possible. And I know this has been a constant theme all throughout the book of Acts, and we're going to continue to see it because we need to talk about it as the church. Listen, church, pressures are gonna continue to mount around us. It's not going away. It's it's gonna continue. Pressure as a nation, pressure in our world, pressure in our economy, political pressure, cultural pressure. But listen, we will, as the church, not stop obeying God. We will not stop the greatest mission on planet earth. And that's to spread the gospel and the good news of Jesus to as many people as possible. We will continue to meet as a church. We'll continue to gather in small groups. We'll continue to pray earnestly, to be the church, to give generously, to share our faith. We will continue, come on church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Listen, the devil, he would love nothing more than for the church to just take a seat and and bow out and say, I'm just gonna hang out here on the sideline. Uh Uh-uh. We need every, every Christian, every, every person, 
You might think, well, I'm not, I'm, no, if you, if you are a follower of Jesus, you got a mission on, on planet earth. And I don't, wherever God's put you at, he, that's your mission field. That's where God's planted. You, you go, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know where, right where you're at. Because now's not the time for us to, to sit sideline. Now is the time as a church to rise up, to be used by God, to continue the mission that God has called us to continue. Come on, all across the room at all of our locations, would you just open your hands before the Lord? I want to pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. Thank you, God, for this message. Thank you, Lord, for challenging us in this way. God, I pray that we would be people of prayer. God, instead this week, God, instead of complaining, instead of worrying, instead of, of, of hustling and bustling, God, will we be people that pause and know that you are God and you are in control. May we be in prayer for the things happening around our world. May we be known to our, to our coworkers and to people in our neighborhoods, not as people that complain and gossip, but as, man, that person prays. May we be people of prayer. May we be light shining in the darkness, God, wherever you've called us to. May we be light shining in the darkness at Austin Peay State University. May we be light shining in the darkness. May we be light shining in the darkness no matter where you've called us. We are your church. We are all in. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for transforming us, for healing us, for delivering us, for setting us free. We thank you today, God, that no matter what's happened in our world, we have the victory in Jesus. We have the victory in Jesus. And so we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, church, can we give God a shout of praise?